Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Josh Bakaitis. If you're one of the people who checked that out, thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, today, my friend Dan is on the show. And for those of you who don't know Dan, he is an interesting character. Let me tell you that. This is a guy who has done a lot in his life. And we're going to be talking about all of it today. I had put out an alert on the internet, on the social media, looking for someone who had been in porn or someone who was involved with porn, which is like how I got the Jason Martinko interview that was a couple weeks ago, and also how I got this interview, because uh, Dan used to do porn. And uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't really know this dude at all. He's uh, my friend's brother, actually, my friend Joe from Basic Sickness, who has been on the show. And uh, yeah, I, it was a wild conversation. Dan is a wild fucking dude. And this, this is probably one of the funnest episodes I've ever recorded. So I hope you enjoy it because I, I fucking love it. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, if you're new to this podcast and you're new to me in general, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Sykes. There's also a Facebook page specifically for the podcast. It's Start the Beat with Sykes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or you're, you know, someone who has iTunes, just be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And last, but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can find at epicastnetwork.com. Anyways, enough of that. Let's get on to talking to Dan. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! I guess we'll just start with this room. This uh, this room. I don't. I don't. I've never met you before. No, no, no. <laughs> we're uh, we're complete strangers. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm I'm in your house here in in welcome. a room that says a lot about you. I'm I'm surrounded by stereo equipment and records and turntables and tarantulas and scorpions. Yeah, and act, there's, there's posters. And, yeah, there's jars with tarantulas and scorpions surrounding me. Actually. For the listeners and posters of sweet movies and uh i think we're gonna get along you sound like you look like my kind of guy yeah 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 i uh i uh <laughs> i i think this could be getting a fruitful uh relationship so <laughs> uh 
Um, right, so, you didn't run out the door screaming when you came in, so that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a really, really cool little room here. Oh, thank um, you. I've, I've, what we, I've worked what you, hard. What's going um, on with the, the turntables and all the setup here? What are you doing? Uh, I do a little bit of DJing. Um, I started collecting records when I was a little kid, you know, through my dad. And then uh, I think I was like 13 or 14, and I bought my first turntable and... Then I got another turntable and started DJing, and uh, you know I used to play like rave parties and house parties and you know club nights and shit. And uh, I don't do a whole lot of it now, uh, you know, besides playing my bedroom and all. But uh, every once in a while I'll come out and spin. You know, it's it I enjoy it. It's quite fun, and I'll play just about any kind of music: uh, drum and bass, house, reggae, techno, hip hop. You name it, I'll spin it. No uh, doubt. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. You know, I like music. I grew up doing music and uh, it's in my blood. You know, so I surround myself with it. <laughs> for sure. Now, um, this conversation got linked up through our mutual friend. Yes. Basic. Yes. Basic Mr. sickness. Mr. Basic. He, he <laughs> idolizes me and uh, he vicariously lives through me and my penis. Uh, and he has for quite a while. Um, as a matter of fact, when I first started doing, uh, I, I, I was in porn. Um, I did quite a bit of porn, but uh, I'd say about four or five years. Um, I did all different kinds of porn, and I think he was probably, after I did my first scene, the first one that I called, like, yo, dude, you'll never guess what I did, and he was like, you're disgusting, uh, I'm so proud of you, and uh, keep it going. Yeah, that's actually how like we linked up, was I put out a message to the world of my friends, like, do I know anybody that had anything to do with porn, mm -hmm. and... You got tagged, and now yeah, here we yeah, are. Here, so here, here I am. Let's um, fucking let's let's dig into that a little bit. Okay, just... it all started. I was living in Florida, and uh, I was dating this freaky chick model. Uh, I have a history of dating strippers and <laughs> you know girls that take their clothes off for money, and uh, I, I don't recommend it. Um, it's okay to fuck them, uh, just don't take them home with you uh, too often. Um, well, I. My girlfriend and I were both working at a bar. I was DJing. She was bartending. And uh, she got hooked up with some people that did photography. So, you know, her being a model, she wanted to shoot with them. And, uh, you know, she went and did. She did a couple photo shoots. And uh, they were looking for, you know, a guy to shoot with her. So she talked to me about it. And I says, well, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll take pictures with you. And then it, I met the guy. It was funny as hell. I'm at the bar uh, DJing. And this guy comes up to me. And he's an older guy, you know, crazy beard and wild man looking and his very large, big, beautiful wife. And he comes up to me and he looks me up and down and he says, well, how's your cum shot? And I says, what? <laughs> he's like, he's like, how's your cum shot? He's like, you got good distance? You got good volume? I was like, seriously? Yeah, I did dead serious. And, and I says, well, I, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> but um, for your information, my cum shot's pretty good. You know, I, I get decent distance. I can, I can throw a shot, you know, you know, with, with, with good accuracy and, you know, heavy volume. <laughs> He says, okay, we'll come in, you know, and, uh, you know, you and your girl come in next week and, you know, we'll explain more what's going on. And, um, and it started, uh, you know, I was just working with my girlfriend doing hand job scenes, blow job scenes and straight boy girl sex scenes. And um, with this particular guy, I also did a lot of bondage and fetish work. Okay. Uh, you know, I would get tied so up and beat or tickled or <laughs> abused. So, or all right. Um, what was it like, like the first time? Like the first time was weird. The first time I actually didn't work with my girl. Um, it was with uh, another girl. It was a straight hand job scene. 
and uh, I showed up to the house, and it was a cattle call. So there was one girl and like six guys, and she was doing one scene after another with each one of the guys. And like, I mean, I, I it kind of creeped me out when I got there. Yeah, and, like, that seems I like a weird environment. Yeah, and like I didn't want to shake anybody's hand. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like in a house, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, all in a house. Most shooting, you know, is done at a house, or um, you know, you rent a, a venue out. You know, like. You know, you rent a club out or you rent a uh, bowling alley out or, you know, you rent a kitchen out or, you know, uh, wherever that you want to shoot the scenes. But most of it's done in the house. Yeah. Um, and uh, the guys who uh, in Florida were all shooting out of a house. I mean, they got a studio eventually and ran it out, you know, like an office space for it. But, yeah, it started in his house. Okay. And then... So that was the first scene. Was yeah, the hand, yeah, the like uh, scene. yeah, it was like five guys went, and then it was me, and um, <laughs> you're at the end of the line. Yeah, it was at the end of the line, and uh, you know we did the scene, and it was like I was supposed to be like totally enamored with the girl, and like the setup was I had to sit and watch her do her makeup, and she would tease me and taunt me, and then drop my pants, gave me a hand job, and was done with it. And it was funny because the producer who was filming it, like I pretty much watched his head explode as the scene culminated. Um, Cause I guess the first four guys that came up, uh, two of them couldn't perform, and the other two were eh, I guess when it comes to cum shots. And I but threw arcing ropes of jism everywhere. <laughs> and, and the guy loved it. Like as a matter of fact, I was only supposed to get paid 25 bucks for the scene and when he came up to sign the paperwork and pay me he's like here you get a raise now and i got I made 60 that night and uh it was off to the races after that man i um started working for other companies and started working for other producers and uh just did as much porn as humanly possible all right so i guess where did uh because you mentioned that like you got into like the bondage stuff and all that weird shit um is that something that you were into prior? No, 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 okay. no, absolutely not. So, like I never got into S and M. I never got into bondage. Uh, I never got into the fetish shit. And even afterward, like it really never did anything to okay. me. Like I mean, I, I like fucking. I like sex. You know, I mean, like I, you know, I tie a girl up. Every, you know, tie a girl up every now and then. But like I never got into like the whips and the chains and the restraints and shit. Um, but through work, you got to yeah, through experience some of these things. I got to experience a lot of those things <laughs> um, through work. I mean, I was pretty much down for anything. I had uh, two rules, like no gay stuff. Like, I'm not working with dudes. I'm not touching dudes. Dudes ain't touching me. And the other rule was no feet. I hate feet. Weird. Okay. I, I hate feet, man. I <laughs> I've, I grew up. My dad was a shoe repairman. My grandfather was a shoe repairman. I've had to live in shoe shops. and I've been surrounded with shoes and feet my whole life. And I fucking hate feet. So I didn't want to do like foot worship scenes. I didn't want to like suck on toes, like none of that. So, I mean, we worked around it and I was able to do a lot of other stuff and I got a high pain tolerance. So I was able to, you know, tolerate the beatings if it called for it. You know, my pay scale also reflected how much of a beating I would take. But uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of bondage and fetish stuff. I would go to, um, still do go to the bondage and fetish convention in Tampa every year. Uh, called FetishCon. Yeah, do you have like friends in the scene? And yeah, stuff yeah, still? yeah, so yeah. Like... I, you know, there's, I met a lot of people doing it. Uh, I mean, in the height of it, I was shooting three times a week. You know, with different girls, so I, I met a lot of people. Um, and you know, I still stay in contact with a lot of them. And like I said, I do my vacation in August every year, and, uh, and technically I'm retired now because I don't shoot on yeah, a regular I was basis. Ask, like, how did you uh, get out of it? Why did you get out of it? What I happened? moved. Uh, I moved back to Pittsburgh. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I moved back here from Florida. Uh, all my grandparents were still around when I moved back, you know. And I, I'd been living with in Florida for quite a while and touring for a while. 
and uh, I hadn't been home much, and I, you know, I wanted to see my family before they started going, and uh, you know, so I moved back up here, and when I moved back up here, I kind of retired because there's really not a lot going on up here. Uh, I did all the work when I was living in Florida, um, you know, so from time to time, you know, like I may shoot up here, but there's nothing going on in Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh's not on the way to anything, uh, you know, and there's the few models and porn girls that do live up here when they shoot, they go to New York or they go to Philly or they go to Miami. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of shit going on in Pittsburgh for porn. Yes. I understand. Uh, not at all. It's not, a not, <laughs> not, not, not famous for its porn community. No. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a bondage scene up here, uh, but there, no one's doing a lot. There's not a lot of studios producing up here. So really no work. Cool. So, well, not cool. Well, whatever. doesn't matter. Here's what it is. What was like, I guess, What's the most, like, fucked up thing that you can, like, remember doing or seeing in the, uh, in your um, days? Like, I've, just anything that comes to I've mind. I've done some weird shit. Uh, like, I've been... In involving food, like I've ejaculated on food, and okay. girls have eaten that. Like, I ejaculate... Oh, I, ejac I put cream in a girl's coffee once. Um... <laughs> And and she drank it. Uh, yes. I've yeah. I've I've like jerked off that? on food and or not maybe <laughs> not myself jerked off, but had a girl jerk me off on the food and then another girl ate it. That's pretty fucked up. Um, I've been beat. Uh, I've been beat with whips. I've been beat with chains. Uh, I've been tickled. Um, there is a large fetish community for tickling, and I've been tickled by one to five girls at once that's it, weird it sucks i hate being tickled <laughs> and i'm so i'm super 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 ticklish yeah, they're probably fucking which, loving it. which makes it worse yeah because i mean a lot of them had to tickle fetish you know so they really really got into it oh i don't know where are some fucked up shit i mean i've seen guys get abused like and take you know a lot more abuse than i would take um one kid kid dynamite enjoyed being kicked in the nuts and oh, fuck. That's... We, we watched him get kicked in the nuts like 40 times in one day at the convention. Um, that was pretty fucked up. Um, How did uh, being involved in this stuff like affect your personal like sex life or desires? Like, did it make some things like seem like it kind of gross and like, no, not nothing way gross. It, it kind of cheapened sex um, a little bit, you know, because it was like my job. Uh, to have sex and then also like you know on personal time i was trying to have sex um you know i didn't lose interest in it uh and it didn't like destroy me mentally like it did some people uh it's a it's a real hard business and i've watched it you know absolutely ruin people yeah like um i feel like that would be something that a lot more like women would deal with and men you'd be surprised really yeah, yeah uh guys are actually the hardest people to find uh, in the industry um, if you, first of all, if you can get the guy to show up, it's not guaranteed that he could perform. Um, a lot of guys would show up and then couldn't get hard or couldn't come, um, you know, or, or they would do it for a while and then it would fuck them up in the head and they couldn't do it anymore. Huh. Like yeah. it, it takes a six individual to, you know, be able to do porn and do it consistently. Like, I you guess know, that makes sense, a lot yeah. of guys talk shit, you know, and say they could do it. But when it comes down to it, like, can you really drop your pants in a room of 10 people and just fuck some stranger you just met? who You don't even know her name. You know, she's OK. She's Ashley Amber something or another. Um, you know, you're not going to get a real name. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys couldn't do it, man. It takes a sick individual, <laughs> you know, and that's just that, I'm not even talking like bondage or fetish stuff. I'm just talking about straight porn. Yeah. Like, like th yeah, you need to. It's very certain, demanding. 
very yeah, very demanding. That, I never really thought about that. The fact that sometimes it's just nerve wracking enough trying to perform with one only one other person in the room. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of guys can't even get it up for one girl. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let alone having to you know go in a room and 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 just perform. You know. Uh, I never really had a problem. You know, it, it never bothered me. I'll fucking get naked and run down the street. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that how it would cheapen something. That like, I can relate to whenever I used to record bands. Okay. And then I would go to work on my own stuff, and I'm like, I don't feel like I don't even want to think about doing yeah, this. It's like, okay, all day I'm fucking fucking pussy and licking pussy all goddamn day. I got my face buried in pussy, and now I come home and my girlfriend's like, hey, I got another pussy for you, and it's like it's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> but no, I mean, it never bothered me. You know, if I had a girlfriend, you know, she was getting it too. So no, okay, so yeah, um, you got into this. You were you said you were dating somebody. At the yeah, time. yeah, I was dating a girl who was a model, and um, she got into the porn and bondage and fetish and i followed with her and for a while um you know she wasn't allowed to work with other guys and um i had to work with her and that lasted all of about a week until i started working with other girls and uh slowly but surely she started working with other guys yeah um, how what was that like on the relationship was well it if you're a jealous person it would it would absolutely do bad things to your head but you know i never really cared and i always looked at it like well you know, she's doing whatever she's doing at work. I'm doing the same thing. The uh, All that really matters is she's coming home to me at night. Sure. You know, um, it's just a job. She's not fucking these guys because she's in love with them or has any feelings for them. She's fucking these guys because it's money. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I've, I've dated strippers before, so. How long you were know, you guys, a, how long did you guys stay together? I was for... with her for about four or five years. Oh, okay. Wow. So that was like. Like a, a large chunk of the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I would say the last three, um, you know, we were both in the industry and working and uh, doing movies and video and stuff. Uh, and it, it never caused any problems between the two of us. But like I said, we were both real, real mature about it. You know, not a lot of people can be. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when we broke up, uh, you know, she moved away and I kept doing the video and kept working you know because i already had you know a small enough name and you know enough contacts where i could get to work so i just kept doing it you know sure do you know if she's still doing it uh i don't believe so i think she is out of the business um i don't know we broke up and, and then... within like a couple months she was married and pregnant so i don't oh, know wow just... uh i've had like five or six girls that i've dated that as soon as they break up with me they either go get married or pregnant i don't know <laughs> what it is like i just absolutely ruin these girls and they're like all right i'm done with this shit i'm settling the fuck down like i'm out of the game like dude you're too much you fucking ruined me uh, it just keeps happening to me. It just keeps happening. Every time I break up with a girl, she just runs for stability. Yeah. <laughs> so I still am a little bit of a wild man. But. <laughs> so what are maybe some other things that, if there's anything you could think of in that happened in the porn world, that the normal person might not know about or really think about? There's not as much money in it as everyone thinks. Okay. First of all, um, your big name contract girls, uh, you know, be working for like Evil Angel or Vivid or uh, any of the big names. Uh, most big girls are only making a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars, you know, for a day of shooting. Um, you know, and then the guys would make anywhere between a hundred to you know three hundred a scene. Um, so that the pay scale is that different. Uh, yeah, yeah, guys make a lot less, and actually nowadays, um, some of these companies are making the guys pay them to be in the scenes. So, so it's like uh, pay to play porn. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. 
Um, <laughs> what? And then they get a, you know, a bunch of guys to show up, and every guy's got to pay 50 to 100 bucks or whatever, and then they can be in the gangbang scene. Um, that you know, those, is those wild. are some of the more, the, you know, there's some disreputable companies doing that. But yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, that like um, blurs some weird line between like pornography and prostitution. prostitution. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only difference between pornography and prostitution is the camera and paperwork. You know, because if you're doing, um, you know, pornography, you got to have paperwork. You got to have your uh, 2257s and all the rest of your legal paperwork filled out. And there has to be a camera there. But, uh, you know, I mean, we've, I've had uh, the companies I've worked for, we've had girls bail on shoots. And the first thing we do is Craigslist and Backpage, you know, go and look for a girl and start making calls. Like, you know, because we got the studio set up there. We got all the equipment there. We got the day of shooting set up. We got the guys there. You know, we might have the other girls there. But, you know, if we get a cancellation, yeah, we would look for a prostitute to come in and, and fill in, you know. And on a number of times, you know, we've called a Craigslist girl like, yeah, you come in and do a movie and, you know, you'll get paid and all the rest of it. And that's that's happened before. That's super. But yeah. Wild yeah. The only difference is a camera and paperwork. Super wild to me. What about um, like. I guess. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I had a question. It's not fully formed. We'll get back to it. OK. I asked you about like the most like fucked up thing. Do you have like a particular like favorite thing that you ever shot or were a part of or something that you're just like, this is unreal. Awesome. What the um, fuck? I got to shoot a scene with Nina Hartley. Okay. Um, That was pretty big for me. Uh, She's the best ass in the business. I mean, you know, when I shot with her, she's getting up in years, but I mean, she's got to be in her late fifties now and she still looks amazing and she's still working a lot and her ass is still amazing. <laughs> um, We ran, I was at a convention in Miami, the Exotica convention a few years back and my producers ran into her and wanted to do some scenes. So I got called up and they says, Hey, you want to do a scene with Nina Hartley? And I said, of course I want to do a scene with Nina Hartley. Are you fucking out of your mind? Okay. Um, That was an awesome thing. I, I really, really enjoyed that uh were there any other like more known women um, that you were involved with probably not that people would know uh i worked with more amateur girls and more up-and-coming girls and more girls in the bondage and fetish scene than anything so i didn't get to work with a lot of the big name contract girls um we were always more amateur stuff was that something that you were you trying to ever like get uh, higher in the ranks, I guess. I don't know how you would say it in the porn world, or were you comfortable? In the position I was, you were in? yeah, I, w- I was happy where I was. You know, I really wasn't. You know, I didn't look to get in that career. I didn't look to get in that area of business. But uh, you know, I had the proper attributes for it, and it came up. It was an opportunity. I took it. But you know, I never did a whole lot to try to um, you know advance myself in that profession. Uh, I probably could have if I wanted to put the time and effort to it. But you know, moving away from Florida. Uh, hurt any chances of that but uh like i still keep in contact with everyone and like i said still shoot from time to time super cool but yeah i, I never really wanted to you know do it for a long 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 time like it wasn't you know what i wanted my career to be for the rest of my life now, you mentioned before that uh basic was like freaking out whenever you told him that you were doing this. oh yeah he loved it so what what, what was like some other reaction from like friends and family maybe when um, it kind of got out my family was proud of me um <laughs> when they when they heard about it uh i got a you know real progressive family a rock and roll family you know, my parents my dad was a roadie you know we grew up in the concert business they were working concerts you know they were always you know real progressive and you know real cool with that and uh 
I'll never forget. I called my dad and my grandfather, and I told him the story of what happened that day. Uh, we, had, we had a shoot set up at the studio, and um, I did my scene first, and then three guys went after me, and not one of them was able to perform. Yeah. And I had to fill in for all three of them on top of doing my shoot earlier that day. So, uh, you know, I called my dad and told him, like, yeah, all these people couldn't do the job, and I had to cover all their asses. <laughs> and I hear, I hear my grandfather in the, in the background as my dad's telling him, he's like, so all them fucking guys couldn't do it, and little Danny did? You, you, you mean Danny built all them out? That's my grandson. Yeah, good job, Danny. You show him how it's done. Yeah. They were fucking, that's my grandfather, that's, that's how he equated awesome. it. He was like, yeah, no one else could do the job, and Danny had to go and do the job. That's my grandson. They, they fucking loved it. I couldn't believe it. They, they loved it. That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, there was, they were always, you know, real supportive. Like, yeah, go have fun. Whatever you want to do, you know. Um, they were always real supportive of any, you know, work I wanted to do or any jobs I've taken. Um, I was 18 years old, and I got my first roadie gig uh, going out and doing merchandise for Blues Traveler. And wow. uh, I worked for them for about four years and then, you know, worked for some other bands doing merch as a roadie. But, yeah, I was just out of high school and I uh, had the opportunity to get that job. And my parents were like, yeah, go ahead. Have fun. That's Enjoy sweet. it. Yeah. And then I, I did. I had a blast out there, man. Because <sighs> I was already a wild man, you know, going into the job, you know. And, and these guys on the tour bus, they didn't know how to handle me. You know, I'm the, <laughs> I'm in the first day, I'm in the front lodge of the bus, racking them out, you know, with a bottle of whiskey there. Like, hey, boys, want to roll one up? You know, and they're like, okay, so that's what kind of tour it's going to be. Let's get on the train. Uh, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot. I got to see a lot of the country. You know, I made 49 out of the 50 states. You know, I got to meet a lot of people. And, you know, I love working in the concert business. But um, I saw a lot of guys out there who are old and broken down, you know, and there's no retirement plan or nothing. You know, sure. And I saw people get hurt out there and, you know, get left on the side of the road pretty much. Um, so, you know, there was something, I, you know, I wanted to do for a while uh, and did a lot when I was younger. You know, now I'm getting older. I'm, you know, in my mid-30s now and you know, I'm looking for more stability. Yeah, it seems like you're someone who's lived, like, several life different lives yeah you could like say, yeah, say that on a time like, yeah you know, yeah like i get out when the getting's good <laughs> before any major damage is done i'm out the door <laughs> so now you're just like what are you up to now just... i uh, i live in pittsburgh i hang out uh i got a job working up at the university of pittsburgh i do uh engineering and maintenance work uh, i got work graveyard shift up there at the nursing school you know it's a union job it's a good job uh, it's a good enough job to keep me off the road uh because I get the perks and the benefits working there are amazing. I get great health care. Uh, I go to school for pennies. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to go to school and take some classes, what whatever they because, might be, or yeah, you know, just that, take the opportunity, you know? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, being out of high school, going and doing all of the... Yeah, I never, stuff, I, yeah, I never went it. to college. There, there was no time for it. Uh, yeah, right out of high school, I, I went to work, you know. I mean, I had been working all through high school, doing concerts and stuff, and doing merch, and, and it was the natural progression at that time. And, yeah, I never never made it to college, you know, but it's never too late. You know, my dad went back when he was in his 40s. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's never so too late. So are you going back now? Are uh, you no, thinking no, about it? I, I'm, th I'm still thinking about it, you know, deciding, like, what, you know, what classes I would want to take and, you know, what areas I'd want to study. Um, you know, working at the university, I have the opportunity to do that. Uh, so at some point, I will take advantage of it. That's awesome. But I'm in no hurry. So sure. 
And, uh, you know, on the side, I still work concerts. Uh, I work stagehand over at Stage AE. Uh, I'll do security and other stagehand work, like at uh, the Carnegie in Oakland and the Carnegie in uh, Homestead. And I do some work for Drewski Entertainment, different concerts around the city. And I do it more as a hobby, you know. But I, I get paid, you know, of course. And I'm not going to do it for free. Yeah. But, but uh, you, know, you know, I miss working concerts and stuff. So I keep one foot in the business, you know, doing the shows and stuff. Definitely. You've mentioned before we started recording that you were working as a park ranger. Yeah, I was working for the Audubon Society in Florida. Um, I worked there for about a year or so. And it was an 80,000-acre nature preserve called uh, Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary. And uh, I was, yeah, I was a park ranger for for them. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, I ended up getting fired. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was, I, I, first I want to preface this by saying I was living out in the middle of the woods in the swamps in the Everglades, Florida, living on 150 acres of cattle ranch. And, um, you know, being a young kid as I was, uh, I was into picking mushrooms at that point. Uh -oh. But, of course, that wasn't good enough for me. So I used my connections working for the Audubon Society, Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary, Florida, uh, to order Colorado River Toads, Bufo Alvarius, and had a nice selection of them and was extracting poison and making my own DMT. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> and, and I was caught eventually <laughs> and and let go, um, and that's how they fired me working for there. You know, how did but you if, get into that shit, I was big into hallucinogenics and would eat a lot of acid and a lot of mushrooms. And you know, mushrooms aren't good enough, so I gotta go higher and stronger. And the next step up for mushrooms and acid is DMT, and uh, DMT is no joke, but. Um, it's illegal, first of all, and, and and second of all, it's not something that the Audubon Society condones, um, and it's nothing that they want to be involved with or want happening on their premises or want their name attached to the ordering of any specimens. <laughs> and yeah, I was I was summarily dismissed. <laughs> no. But if I would have never got fired from that job, um, I might never went on the road because it was uh, you know, I got out of high school and. Um, Immediately started working for the Audubon Society and worked for them for a year. And then right after I got fired from them, I went on tour. So you were like, how old were you when you were doing I this? I was 17 working for the Audubon. I graduated. Um, oh. I graduated. I was like 16 turning 17. And I graduated. And then from like 17 to 18, I was working for the Audubon. And um, right around my 18th birthday, I went on the road. So how does like, it just, it blows my mind thinking of a 17-year-old knowing how to like get all this <laughs> stuff and extract dmt uh i was especially in a time where like the internet was like, fresh yeah and a, the, a lot of you hear it was, a lot the, of it was the late it was the late 90s now. yeah but yeah in the late 90s the knowledge of that stuff was pretty limited like how did you like i was a smart kid there you go i, I always i always was a, <laughs> i always was a smart kid uh way too smart for my own good <laughs> And, um, you know, like I said, I was into, I was into drugs when I was younger and hallucinogenics and, uh, you know, I, did, I was, you know, heavy into the rave scene and, uh, the underground hip hop scene in Pittsburgh and, you know, there, there was around that time, the late nineties and like a little bit, it was a good time. It was a good was, time yeah. for, for raves and parties around, yeah, uh, I went around to Pittsburgh. A few. I was never into any of the drug stuff, but mm -hmm. I really liked the music. So yeah. I was I went to a few events and I had fun. Yeah, they, they were like, they were cool back then. There yeah. was there was a lot of fun. The scene was still alive and, and strong. Um, it seems like it's moved more into clubs and uh, bars now, but it seems like the progression 
that's happened all over the country. You know, the big warehouse rave party days are long gone. Um, you know, and then no one's doing that shit anymore. But yeah, being I was you know into hallucinogenics and shit before I got into raving. You know, and it is heavy into that scene, so it was like a natural fit. Um, <laughs> hey, I like the trip. You know. <laughs> sure. Now I was gonna ask about the uh the spiders and all of the insects and stuff this my like, my menagerie this is another uh, interest i'm curious in i uh Where I, co- did this, I, this... I collect bugs um i mean from the time i was a little kid i was always catching snakes and frogs and you know putting bugs in jars and shit and uh you know i had a couple lizards and a tarantula down in florida and you know got rid of it all and uh moved back up to pittsburgh in 2011 and started collecting bugs and going to reptile shows and buying more bugs and more bugs and yeah i got about 30 or 40 tarantulas and scorpions now uh i have some roaches i have some assassin bugs i'm I'm looking around now and i'm like every time i like i look up and down i realize there's just more and more yeah i got i got surrounding me right now yeah you're you're completely surrounded by bugs on almost all sides this Um, is because this room is so dense i need to like make that clear to everybody that's listening yeah there's stuff packed in every corner everywhere you look there's something to look at or talk about but uh which is funny because normally when i have people come over to my place for my my the room that i do the stuff in is pretty much looks exactly like this mm-hmm. minus the bugs yeah i don't, I don't yeah. have any well, bugs well, hey <laughs> but i won't hold that I feel against like you i need to get some bugs now yeah I, oh, I, ha- awesome. I have a couple i can loan you some you know you can you can take them <laughs> home with you if you really want uh, i've always been fascinated by that stuff i mean there's so many cool spiders out there and uh the way the hobby has grown and how accessible it is uh, i made friends with a couple guys who are dealers and get really good prices on them and uh they're like potato chips man you can't have one and <laughs> They're so easy to take care of. It's like you get you get a spider, you put it in a tank, and you feed it and water it once a week, and it just kind of sits there. Okay, well, let's get another one and put it next to it. Okay, let's get another one after that. Uh, and I don't really handle a lot of them. Uh, most of them are way too aggressive anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I got some stuff that will really put a hurting on you. Uh, none of the tarantulas uh, have a medically significant bite enough to kill you, but some of the scorpions, if you get tagged, uh, we're going to the hospital. <laughs> okay, so you have some intense scorpions here. Yeah, I have, uh, the Israeli Death Stalker. Would... The Israeli Death Stalker? Yeah. Where's that, that one That at? is right here. It's, uh, you guys can't see it, but it's a little scorpion. It's like oh. sitting in his little, uh, his little house there. He's a pretty small guy, but yeah. he packs a large punch. Uh, more often than not, you'll see, uh, like in terms of scorpions, if they have small, little, measly pinchers, um, they have real strong venom. Okay. And then if they have, you know, you see like the big emperor scorpions, they have the big, you know, large crab claws. Like their venom's really not that bad. Yeah. But there you go. You can see that okay, little guy. Okay, so yeah, in we're there. looking at this. Yeah, he's about two inches, yellowish, sandy colored. This is wild. He's a scorpion. Yeah. yeah, I feel like uh, you're probably really uh, desensitized to a lot of this stuff, but I'm like fascinated right now. I still find it cool as hell, and I just like to sit and look at it a lot of times. You know, people say, oh, oh, you can't handle them, you can't touch them, what do you have them? I was like, do you pet your fish? You know, no, I don't <laughs> pet my fish. Well, there you go, same thing, you know. I don't. There's a couple that I've handled, 
But, I mean, it doesn't do anything for me, really, you know, to hold it. You know, some people, it's like an ego thing. You know, they'll have it crawling on their face or, you know, have, you know, handle spiders that you really shouldn't handle. You know, and it's, it's a cool thing, you know, like, oh, look at how bad I am. You know, I can pick up this this spider. Like, it, it doesn't make you any cooler in my eyes. Have you, know? you ever uh, had an, an like a, a bad situation with I've had escapes. I've, I've had escapes before. Um, I've had a couple get out on me. I've had a couple run on me. Really? Yeah, I've always managed to capture everything, uh, you know, in a timely fashion. Uh, I did have one spider get out, and I lost him for a couple months. And I'd say about a good three months, he was lost in the room, and I eventually <laughs> found him. Really? Yeah, I wasn't living here. I was living in my old place. And um, I don't know. I come in drunk one night, and I must have knocked something off the shelf. When I woke up the next day, like, one of the containers was, like, open on its side. And you were like, fuck. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> it started, like, I did a cursory examination. Like, I looked around, and I couldn't find it. It was only about two inches big at that point. And, uh, you know, after a couple months, uh, I was uh, cleaning the room up and moving furniture around. And I had everything out of the room except for one chest of drawers. So I slowly start pulling drawers out. And when I get to the bottom drawer, I lifted it up and then pulled it out. And I'm glad I did because that spider was underneath there. And if I would have just pulled the drawer out, I would have rolled him and crushed him. And if something told me that he was probably under there. And I got him out and saved him. And now he's in one of the tanks over there. Do you ever? He was rescued. Hey, glad you're still with us, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you, I, I, I'm assuming that you don't name any of these. I yeah, think. some of them are named. Some of them are named? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a, a Goliath bird eater. It's, uh, she's pretty big now. She'll get about 12 inches. She's Big Jones stud. What is that? Like a spider? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a species. It's well, okay. Yeah, uh, about the size of a dinner plate. She's called, what? A, she's called a Goliath bird eater. That is uh, insane. Terraphosa stermi. It's a Brazilian spider. Lives down in a rainforest. And uh, they get big. They get about twelve inches. How big is it now? Uh, she's about six, seven inches now. She's about what? half. She's about halfway grown. She doesn't come out of her hide a lot. She's pretty skittish. Is she behind me? Uh, yeah, the big tank right behind you. Um, but like I said, she's down in her burrow. Uh, huh. A lot of the spiders are just pet holes. You don't even see them. They yeah. start stay down in their burrow all the time. They come out to eat, or every once in a while, like you'll catch them walking around at night. But mo most of the time, they spend their you know their days like in their little hole. Um, what else? I got a couple other names. Um, this one up here is a species called Apoclothera metallica. Uh, his name's Cliff Barton. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I have a leopard gecko, and I call that Houdini. Um, he was uh, he escaped the pet shop uh, down at uh, the waterfront and was living in the store for about a year and a half wild. And uh, was doing pretty well. They, they found him hiding up behind, like, the fish tanks. And I guess what it would do is it would uh, crawl around to their big feeder goldfish tank. It was like a big, um, like, a laundry tub full of water, and it was full of hundreds of goldfish. It would crawl down to the edge of the water and eat the dead goldfish that were floating. And uh, was very wild and feral when they found it. And I just happened to be there the day they found it, and they gave it to me. They, they were like, it's too big to sell fucking you know. awesome yeah it had been living that in the store is so cool it was living in the store for at least a year i feel like that's like it reminds me of like fucking like you ever see that ratatouille that mm -hmm. Pixar movie? yeah yeah like yeah that, like sneaking in at night to get its food yeah yeah the store i want to they should make that into a fucking movie yeah it would be a good movie uh let's see why well, I, I had bebop and rocksteady um <laughs> 
they were uh, the horned baboon tarantulas. Uh, one of them passed. I only have Rocksteady left now. Oh man, R.I.P. Um, Bebop. Yeah, yeah. I got a, uh, I got a, an Augustophallus endizemi, which is a starburst baboon tarantula. I call him Gugamu. Um, if anyone went to Alderdice Taylor Gang, they'll know that Gugamu name. <laughs> I got some random other names. I'm sure. Sometimes I write them on there. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. I want to step on your computer there. It's all good. Oh yeah, that one's Larry. Okay. That that's a that's a, that's a golden tiger rump. That's Larry. <laughs> yeah, I forget what. Oh, my! I had a my old Goliath bird eater was uh, Andre the Giant, but she passed on me, so I had to get the new one. Now, now she's been replaced with Big Joan Stud. Did it stop? Or no, we're, we're good. We're oh, good. Okay, I was cool, just cool. Where, where are we at now? I'm curious, actually. For some reason, the, I'm not seeing the the timestamp. We're going. Oh yeah, I, I see it moving. But no timestamp, so I don't know how long we've been going. 11709? 1693, right there. Is that it? These are like, uh, this is, B it's on BPM. Oh, oh, okay. So it's, we've been talking, at 180 BPM, we've been talking for 1,697 measures. So I, li I, I live, I live at 177 beats per minute. <laughs> let's, uh, we can do the math on that. Jungle Army. <laughs> Yeah, we keep talking. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, we started around three. It's three forty-four. So I'm assuming yeah, we've yeah, been going for shape. about we're a half hour. We're, we're fine. We're um, fine. Yeah, we can go back into the porn thing. I actually, um, the situation I left when I was living in Florida it was probably the best situation that anyone could ever ask for. Uh, it was uh, after my girl had broken up with me. Uh, we were moving out of the apartment, and I was, you know, kind of floating around. Uh, I was still working down there. I was working for a pool company and doing the porn. And um, my producer had a big house. And he says, well, you know, you looking for a room to rent? And I says, yeah, I'm looking for a room to rent. He's like, well, you know, you can come, you know, live in my extra room. He's like, you can pay me a little bit of rent. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll come live in the porn house, you know. So I'm living there and we would shoot at the house. So I didn't have to go far, you know. Yeah. Two, three times a week, girls would come over. We would shoot, you know, in one of the extra rooms in the house and, and keep moving. And it, it got to a point where, you know, I would be handing him money for rent and he would turn around and be handing me the same money back to pay me for the video shoot. So we worked out a deal where I would do a couple shoots a week and that would cover my rent and he would pay me for everything after that. Uh, it got to be like an indentured servitude for rent. Like, you know, I'd, I'd wake up like, okay, who am I fucking for my rent today? Like I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that situation. Still boggles my mind. Yeah, it's kind like, of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I had to fuck for my rent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was cool, man. It was cool. It, it, I left the situation like a fucking idiot. But uh, I mean, guys, there's guys that would kill for that. You know, um, you know, for a guy like the one of the highest things is like, yeah, I do porn, and like you're gonna get high fives off everybody in the bar around you. You know, like everyone's going to idolize you as That's soon as they hear that. That's weird because if a girl says that, it's a little different. It, it's completely different, man. The way it, the double standard in the industry, it, it, it's amazing. You know, it, well, it's the whole thing. You know, if a guy's fucking a lot of girls, he's a fucking big dog pussy getting motherfucker. But if a girl's fucking a lot of guys, she's a whore. You know, that's the double standard in our world today. You know, there's there's a lot of empowerment that could come, you know, to a woman from that job. And um, the women do better in, in that industry than the men do by far um but the perception of it um you know it, it's there's a big double standard when it comes to that uh women are definitely looked down 
when they find out that they've done porn. I mean, it ruins people's lives. You yeah. know, it's like if, you know, it's, a girl does porn, like you forget about ever having, you know, like a meaningful job, like in politics or anything like that, or, you know, she ain't going to go be a doctor or a nurse or anything now, you know, if that ever comes up, she's going to lose her job. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if they find out I do porn at my work, you know, they're going to give me high fives. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a shame, but I mean, that's, that's the world we live in, you know? Now I'm thinking about, I wonder if you could answer this question, how, the world of porn was maybe affected positively or negatively by uh, like the recent updates in technology with like uh, every like having like really good cameras, access to the internet, smartphones. Like it's I a double-edged sword. There's a lot of um, like like the internet has really killed the industry. Yeah, um, the internet has absolutely destroyed the industry. Uh, there's very little to no DVD sale anymore. Um, you know, there is a lot of money being made off porn. People still do buy it, but uh, it has taken a major, major hit from all the free porn that's out there. Yeah. You know, you can just go on YouTube or YouPorn or wherever and, you know, beat off to your heart's content and never have to pay a cent. You know, you used to have to get VHS tapes or, you know, then DVDs came about. And but I mean, shit before that, you know, in the 70s, you had to set up a reel to reel, you know, 16 millimeter projector if you wanted to watch porn. And that was it, you know, or you had magazines. But in terms of video, uh, yeah, you were setting up, a, you know, you had to be a projector projectionist. Oh, yeah. It's wild now. I think about the access was... to it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we can I could pull up my phone right now and. Exactly. Good to go. It's anything any, anything to. you want is at the touch of your fingers. Uh it's also led to a lot uh, I don't want to say like worse, but um a lot more variation and a lot more fetishes or uh you know, you like you wouldn't see you wouldn't see like, you know, four way gangbangs and some of the crazy shit. You know, like in the '90s that you would see now. Like, yeah. uh, I guess people are so desensitized to it that you know, just regular straight sex ain't enough. You know, they got to start adding stuff to it. It's weird the the similarities between like porn and music, in the sense in the way that like the internet has destroyed it. Yeah. And uh, the way that advanced like people always want things that are more extreme, more intense. Like, yeah, every it's everything's definitely gotten more extreme, more crazy now, and I need my porn to have five dudes on one girl and like you know the it gets crazier because people yeah, get the sense yeah I, well, the, well the internet hurt the uh, music companies more than it hurt the bands uh bands never really made a whole lot off their albums to begin with you know bands make their money off touring and merch yeah you know so the internet took a big chunk out of the record companies and the labels um but where in the porn business you know the internet has taken a big bite out of everyone's ass and i also think that um I mean, in the way that how porn is so accessible and for the most part free to people, music is as well. So it's like the value that I think people put on music and on porn. Like they don't have to go out of their way to get porn now. Yeah, it's at, it's at and their you don't fingertips. Have to like go to the fucking store and find the CD that you want to get and hope that it's in stock to buy. Yeah, like the internet put the porn shops out of business. You know, you don't see porn DVD shops anymore, you know, because it's all on the internet. You don't see the little, oh, I mean, video rental stores are gone now, but they all had their little room in the back. <laughs> you know, that went first and then the whole video store went. You know, there's still is old fashioned people, you know, with the, the, the people in the porn industry don't make anywhere near as much is a direct result from the internet. 
coming in and, and just cutting everyone's throat. You know, the band, you know, in the music business, you know, the, the bands, you know, won't really suffer as much as the record companies, but in the porn industry, the companies making the stuff to the people producing it, to the people that are in it, everyone hurts, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot more girls doing it now too. You know, the market is absolutely saturated. Oh yeah. Um, it's, you know, where back in the day, you might only had a handful of girls working. Like now you got dozens. Everyone wants to be a porn star. Yeah. And because of the phone cameras and the accessibility of the technology, everyone can be a, you know, a porn star. And it's, there's like, I, th I wonder how, connected it is now with everybody having you know phones in their pockets and like the amateur porn thing being something that's like even on like a, a low level like girls that like want to take like naked selfies and send it to whatever dudes they're talking to and such it's like people are more comfortable being naked in front of a camera I mean, yeah definitely definitely were... people are more progressive now um it's not looked down upon as much as it used to be and uh you know every girl's taking naked selfies of herself at some time now and back in the day that wouldn't happen yeah you know it you know the, the kids growing up boys and girls you know are getting exposed to it at such a young age now you know it's like back in the day we had to get our porn from magazines out in the woods you know <laughs> yeah. like nowadays these kids are just going on their phones you know, and I mean, how old are you? Like late 20s, 30. early 30s, you're 30. Okay, yeah. I'm 34. So, I mean, you had like AOL and Prodigy and shit back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, you wanted to download a naked picture. It's like it had to wait for the damn thing to load, <laughs> you know, or you had to go find your fucking porno mags, that, you know, go find a box of hustlers in an abandoned building or out in the woods and stuff. And like kids nowadays, it's just so easy for them to get. It's, they don't even think about it. It's something that like we used to, you know, like that one hustler that we had might've went around through six or seven guys. And it was, you know, coveted back when we were 12 or 13. <laughs> like nowadays kids can just look at whatever they want on the phone. You know, technology's great. <laughs> and there's a direct correlation between the size of the phone screens with the amount of porn on the internet. The bigger the screens got, the more porn there is and so forth. You think once, so? once we started realizing that we could watch porn on our screens on our phones, they got bigger. <laughs> <coughs> everyone beats off. Everyone does, and everyone looks at porn whether they say they want to or not. Everyone's looking at it. Kids, adults, parents, grandparents, everyone's looking at porn. Everyone loves porn. They might not admit it, but people like to look at naked people. People like to look at other naked people i enjoy it yeah yeah i enjoy it yeah of course definitely so all the time that you were in porn um you mentioned that you had done stuff that you didn't uh necessarily find personally satisfying but you went through it like you did it just because it was part of the job yeah was there anything that you did do that you found it like oh wow like i like this and i never thought that i would um not really, not really with like the fetish stuff. Yeah, you uh, just you 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 as a person, you prefer the straightforward, just sort of yeah, old yeah, school. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I I don't mind getting a little rough, you know, with the choke, and I kind of like getting slapped around a little bit. I, I found, um, but it just you know tended to make me giggle a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I did like the attention. Um, I I found that out uh, regardless of what the girl was doing to me. She was doing something to me, so I enjoyed that. Even if I was taking abuse or getting tickled or whatever, I was still, you know, they were still paying attention to me, and there were still girls' hands on me, so I like that. Uh, you know, I never had a problem. You know, I, I never had any shame at all, you know, so I was never embarrassed, and I was comfortable with my body, 
you know, so it, it didn't do whatever you want. Just don't, you know, like I said, no gay shit, no feet. And we're, <laughs> and we're good. Um, Did anybody ever, like, try to really, like, come on, like, offer you, like, like a ridiculous amount of money to do something that you didn't want to do? Or were people, like, mm. usually, like, if you say no, like, they are pretty respectful about that yeah it there was never any like arm twisting or anyone pressuring me to do anything i didn't want to do um and that goes both ways for girls and boys like you know you tell them what you're comfortable with in the beginning and they don't deviate from that uh you know if there of course there is some creep show producers out there yeah, who will try to push the lines and you know try to do stuff to the girls that the girls aren't into and a lot of times the girl will just bend and fold and go along with it yeah and I've... uh there's a lot of degradation and a lot of abuse that goes on um especially in the bondage and fetish scene you know because like once you get a girl tied up what can she do you know, you got her handcuffed to a bed. She can't, you know, do anything but say no. And most of them, like I said, will just go along with it, even if it's something they didn't want to do, because um, they they want their money. And they need to get paid. You know, yeah, and if they if up. they start saying no and shit, um, you know, they're taking a risk that they're not going to get their money out of that guy. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of guys out there who are pieces of shit and will try to take advantage of the girl. Um, but you know, they tend to get a bad name after a while, and girls stop working with them. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that will try to push the envelope. I've def yeah. yeah, I've definitely seen some things where it looks like the person is not enjoying themselves at all, and it makes me feel horribly uncomfortable. Yeah, I um, if I worked with a producer like that, I would never work with him again. Um, and the producers that I did work with were all, you know, like well, well above board, and you know, would never take it out of you know an actor's comfort zone. Um, you know, and I would work with those producers over and over and over again. Uh, you know, if I didn't like someone, I wouldn't work with them, <laughs> you know, and I've been in scenes where, you know, a girl has said that, yes, she was comfortable with it. And either I realized that she wasn't or someone else did and we would stop. Okay. You know, and, I was going to ask like how you would handle that situation. Yeah. Like if, you know, if a, if a girl said she was cool with anal and then we started doing an anal scene and she obviously wasn't, you know, having a good time or it was obviously bothering her, I would stop, you know, and I'd be like this, we're not going to continue with this. Like, you know, I know you want your money and I know, you know, you want to be a team player and all, but you're not digging this. So we're not going to push it. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a degenerate piece of shit and I'm not sadistic and I don't want to inflict pain and harm on anybody. Uh, you know, and if a scene was going that way, uh, I'd, I'd put a stop to it myself, you know, but I, I didn't have to do that very often. Like I said, I worked with good producers, and uh, they were always, you know, real, real attentive about that. Yeah. You know, you want the girl to be happy. You want the guy to be happy, you know, because if they're not enjoying it, it's not going to transfer over well and be a good scene. You know, you want your people to be having fun there. And, uh, yeah, yeah, thankfully, the majority of stuff I did, everyone was enjoying themselves and having a great time. Yeah, I was, I'm always, I'd always be really, really curious to be, like, on the set of something and see what uh, the before and after uh, just communication and, like, community is like of like after a shoot like i just filmed a music video yesterday okay cool and it's like we were all like you know before like setting up hanging out and then like we do the thing that afterwards we're just like hanging out having beers we ordered some mm -hmm. pizzas and stuff yeah. like that just chilling like is it like the same thing like just like yeah hey, yeah i mean gonna... a lot of times um 
you know, we would shoot with girls that we had shot with so many times that they were friends, you know, and after the day of shooting, they would hang out and have dinner and, you know, we'd have a couple beers, smoke some, you know, watch some TV or movies or whatever and just hang out and, you know, enjoy the rest of the night. Uh, you know, I've had a couple girls, you know, that every time they'd come into town, you know, they would hang out the night with me because, you know, we enjoyed each other's company after the scenes. Um, you know, like I said, I made a lot of friends in there, uh, so it was never unheard of. You know, after the set was over, after the scenes were done shooting, for everyone to just hang out like normal people afterward and have a couple beers. You know, that wasn't unheard of at all. And, uh, I mean, it's a lot easier to talk to a girl and be friends with a girl after, you know, your dick's been in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you kind of lose a lot of pretenses that way. Um, you know, it, and she's not a stranger after that. Definitely not. <laughs> you know, and, and it, there's not going to be any weirdness after it. Because, you know, it was like work. You know, she didn't necessarily do it because she wanted to. You know, she might not have sucked your dick if you just met her on the street. But you could tell she enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and there might be a chance for it to happen again, you know. So, I mean, I, I there was a couple girls that, you know, I had, you know, things going on with outside of the shoots. Sure. You know, um, I'd have no problem doing a couple scenes with a girl during the day. And then, you know, after the shoots at night, banging her out on my own time. You know, that was still definitely enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know? it's like a rehearsal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be, or, you know, a post-scene rehearsal, you know? Yeah, 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 you know, just... Yeah, it was cool, man. Was, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed every minute in that business. Uh, something I've been, like, thinking about, and I haven't really had a, a good segue to get to it, so I'll just, I'll bring it up and All right. ask your opinion on it. I have, like, a... I don't really have any pet peeves when it comes to watching porn. Okay. Except for when I'm watching a scene... And the director starts talking, like, "Oh yeah, you don't like, like that." It, it bothers it, the it, it fuck breaks, out of me. Breaks the fourth wall down for I you. I don't know why that bugs me so much. It's always like the same attitude, like, "Yeah, like get that dick or something." Yeah, like, really, fuck her hard. Yeah, like, yeah, hit it, boy. Yeah, like, I, don't, don't, I don't, I don't, don't cheer me on, man. It, like, does that has that ever like have you ever been worked with somebody that was like that? Like when you're banging someone out, the director's like, "Yeah, you're doing it" or whatever bullshit. I've I've had to tell you know like a director to like calm down a little bit uh like he was getting into it a little more than i was and like and he, he was like cheering me on and i was like dude i was like i don't really think you need to be doing that like you're you're, you're having a little bit too much fun here like you yeah know, just just keep shooting the camera and you know chill out a little bit um you know, and anytime I've, you know, I did a little bit of filming myself. I did a little bit of PA work. You know, I did a little bit of production and a little bit of video editing. Um, I've done just about everything involved with the porn business on top of acting as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, if I was filming, you know, I definitely wasn't cheering anyone on. Like I would say, okay, switch positions. You know, you'll get that from a director too. You know, all right, do this for a little while. It's like, okay, do this. Like, okay, do this, this position. But yeah. If the guy's getting a little bit too into it, you need to tell him to back the fuck down. <laughs> now, uh, another thing, too, I was always really curious about is uh, particular camera angles. And, uh, <laughs> like... I've come on a couple cameramen. <laughs> purely by accident. Um, they're trying to get that shot in there. And uh, they accidentally get sprayed. It's a hazard of the job. Um, you know, you take it in stride. Uh, I was 
completely desensitized the bodily fluids to the end of it. Like, you know, say they would do, you know, shoot a scene on the couch in the living room like an hour ago and then like the scene's done and it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go sit on the couch and watch TV. It's like, yeah, they were just fucking there. Like, yeah, and, you know, but no, they were just fucking there. Like, yeah, and they fucked on every piece of furniture in this house. Like, yeah. Oh, well, as long as I'm not sitting in a wet spot or touching anything gooey, like, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was, I was really, really desensitized to stuff, you know. It, just people walking now, around naked all the time what and... would it what would it be like okay like so like say like you're fucking and then it's like okay like like cut we gotta like change positions angles redo the camera and the lighting like in the middle of fucking was that ever a thing or was it just kind of oh like... yeah 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 that, that happens a lot like you gotta start and stop um you know that's one of the things at a business like you gotta be able to you know maintain an erection for like an hour because just because you see you know a guy and a girl on screen fucking for 20 minutes like it could have taken an hour hour and a half of shooting to get oh, really? those 20 minutes oh yeah. yeah 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 definitely um they don't it's not filmed like in sequence you know that it would like appear on screen okay like say i start she's blowing me then we do doggy then we do cowgirl and reverse cowgirl it could get edited and chopped up into different you know so it could go in a different sequence on the film and it doesn't always uh you know show up exactly how it happens did you watch a lot of the stuff that you were in like after you had shot it or sometimes like i could never jerk off to my own stuff um but i would watch it you know it, it just because it amuses me yeah um like, i'm a funny guy i'm pretty goofy and like <laughs> i would try to bring that into my scenes um like i one of my goals was always to try to like crack the girl up and like make her start laughing okay and like ruin the scene almost or like i would if there was other people in the it was room, like your shtick yeah like i would and i would usually throw a pittsburgh accent on uh <laughs> on the character i was playing or whatever the scene was and I, I would try to make everybody in the room lose it and start laughing um and a lot of times that would like disarm girls a little bit and they'd you know relax a little bit more and get into it yeah, i can respect um, that i was always good to break new girls in uh because i was real easy to work with and they'd feel real comfortable around me you know and i could get them to relax really quickly and i've worked with a lot of first-time girls who had never done anything before and uh you know wanted to get into it and they would always put them with me because like i said I, i'd put the girls at ease and they'd get a much better scene out of it you know because if the girl's nervous you know it's not going to translate well sure you know, you know so you, you got to get her you know as to be as easy as possible you know to be as calm and you know as chill uh but yeah i would definitely try to make them all laugh as much as possible you know and usually the scenes that i'm in come out goofy and you know there's well, a little bit of humor that's the to thing it is like sex is funny oh yeah it's yeah. hysterical and that's and i've always been kind of like a joker mm -hmm. in bed the same way like like you mentioned earlier like somebody like a girl might slap you around and mm -hmm. you giggle yeah like, it's, it's the same fucking thing i do like I, it's like i enjoy it yeah yeah i yeah. just think it's funny so it's like oh you're all cute and like think you're tough and, yeah like, like I, I would i would end up i would end up ruining some scenes like if there was a bondage scene like or i was the slave and like the girl was a dominatrix like i would end up blowing it because they would like you know speak to me slave and i i would just start giggling you know like i i i'd, I'd, I'd fuck my lines up you know because I, I would have to act subservient and act like a slave and yes mistress no mistress and i would just lose it and start laughing you know <laughs> fuck you bitch like, yeah. you know? and and like that's all well and good but you know that's not what the scene calls for the scene calls for you to yeah. be the slave like yeah you know? you're supposed to be not yourself y yeah 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 you know and it, but it's still kind of like a 
Sometimes it just bleeds through. That's you just can't like help a react, it. like a natural reaction to mm-hmm. that situation. Yeah, and I mean, usually it would take a couple shots, you know, until I could get it out of my system, and you know, I could play the scene straight like how they <laughs> wanted it. You know, um, I I'll never forget. I had to get, um, I got put over this woman's knee. We did like a milf scene, and um, I was supposed to be the stepson, and like I got put over her knee and spanked with a wooden spoon. And um, was probably the most embarrassing, uncomfortable thing I've <laughs> ever had to do. Okay. And it was definitely something I requested. Like, no, we're never going to do that again. Yeah. But, like, as soon as the scene was done, I made sure that I stood up and then bent over to pick my shorts up directly in front of the cameraman. So he, <laughs> could, he, he got a full view of my ass and my taint and grundle. <laughs> and it's payback for you, bitch. You just put me through. Yeah. Um. But it was a lot of fun, you know, and uh, even in the bondage and fetish stuff where everything's real super serious, um, you know, I was able to find a lot of levity in uh, in the work and, you know, make a lot of good friends. It was good times. Definitely good times. I recommend it for anybody. <laughs> go watch porn. Go do porn. Anything that makes you happy. Because it'll, it'll keep a lot of good people working. Definitely. For sure. I think we could probably wrap up here in a minute or two. Okay. I uh, just wanted to... Uh, uh, thanks for letting me come over to your place. Hey, man. Thanks for... Talk to uh, me a little bit about yeah, this. Yeah, no problem. Me cost dude, I know cost that I'm going to leave here and I'll think of like 20 more fucking questions that I should have asked you. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, well, you we can always do it again. Yeah, you know? I should have I, I made a list. Yeah, hey, I got I got a lot to say and uh, I don't really shut up often. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anytime you'd want to come back, man, um, be my guest. Uh I'm gonna show you some more spiders one day, or you know, I don't. Yeah, we didn't even get into these fucking records. Maybe we should do that real quick. Cause I got, uh, I don't know. Let's say there's about two thousand records here, give or take. Uh, Primarily drum and bass and jungle, but uh, there's a lot of reggae, a lot of old hip hop, a lot of house, a lot of funk, a lot of soul, a lot of stuff stuff. that you would spin. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff that I would spin, and there's also a lot of stuff because I just like listening to records. And vinyl is, you know, the number one preferred music source for me i think records sound better than anything and uh i'll keep buying records till the day i die and i'll keep putting them on shelves and thank god for them ikea shelves i wish i knew that you fucking were a record collector would have brought you my record oh oh uh, your band's got a record yeah you press vinyl yeah nice 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 what's your band's name um uh i do a hip-hop thing okay okay uh, cool cool i the album that we just put out with my band is the new violence so it's sykes and the new right on right on and uh, yeah, that's actually my second vinyl. It's, oh, cool, uh, cool! I put out cool. my album before that on vinyl as well. Oh, cool! Yeah, man, I, I love vinyl. I even have uh, I have, I have a Techniques Tone Arm tattooed on my arm. That's fucking sweet. Yeah, it's uh, the Tone Arm. I have a Technique yeah. twelve hundred tattooed on the inside of my arm here. That's how much I, I love my vinyl. That's a really record. really cool idea for a tattoo. Yeah, buddy of mine, uh, buddy Stevie Bananas. Shout out to Tattoo Guy Stevie Bananas. <laughs> Everyone go get tattoos from him. He's down in uh, Virginia now. Um, down, I think he's like Norfolk or Richmond or something. He's a hell of a tattoo artist. Um, I like my tattoos yeah, almost as much as I like my records. <laughs> yeah, I have quite a bit. I, I do enjoy vinyl. And, and we're in a great city for it. I mean, I've been yeah. one of the perks of me being on tour and me traveling around. Uh, I've been to 49 out of the 50 states and I've been to record stores in all 49 of those states. I would get to shop and dig in every record store. I would hit the, I would hit a new city, you know, say I had a day off somewhere. I'd get the phone book 
and uh, I would look for strip clubs and I would look for record stores and uh, not in that order, but I would go hit them all up in that town. <laughs> and uh, I got to meet a lot of cool people and stuff, uh, especially at the record stores, because I would ask them if they had, you know, turntables set up and then I would beg them to, you know, come and let me play because I would have my records on tour with me. You know, every tour I went on, I had my records. And uh, some of those tours for Blues Traveler, I was the opening act. I'd come out and do a turntable oh, really? thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd come out and play for like, you know, 20 minutes, half hour uh, is the opening act before the band come on. But uh, yeah, I'd meet great people at record shops because, you know, I would come in and uh, however the deal went down, whether I had to give them concert tickets or I had to give them cash or whatever, they'd let me on their turntables and, you know, see after a couple minutes, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. He's not just some fucking Joe Schmo off the street. Like, this is actually pretty cool. Like, he's good. Yeah. Um, you know, and they'd get into it and, you know, they, I'd hear them on the phone, like calling their people up, like, yo, get down here and bring your records right now. Like this kid's blowing this shit up, man. You <laughs> come check this out, you know, and I'd meet new people that way. And, you know, I get to spend, if they had a gig going on that night, I'd be, you know, what's up, throw me on a decks, you know, and I get to spend with a lot of the locals. Um, I did a phone party down in Albuquerque. Uh, you know, I, I went and was hanging out at this record store called Harvest Season. And, uh, you know, they brought some of their local guys in. And, you know, I'd go back and forth and play with them. And they were like, oh, we're having a phone party tonight. You want to come spin it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, you know. That's um, the meetings you get over records and vinyl, man. It just brings people together. It's definitely good shit. It goes around and around and around. <laughs> it's like our lives are going yeah. around and around and around. For sure. Well, fuck. Right on, man. Hey, thanks for coming. It's for, been fun. Uh, no, no, thanks for. Oh, I'm so you yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me uh -huh. in here. Hey, place. My, dude, my pleasure. Thanks for coming over, man. <laughs> Fucking I awesome, know. man. And uh, yeah, we can stop this right about now. All right. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Wasn't that fun? Did you have fun? I had a fucking blast. Dan is a wild fucking dude, and I'm really glad I got to meet him. I'm probably going to try to sit down with him again in the future, and I feel like there's some, some unanswered questions and more things to talk about with this guy, so who knows? Down the road, maybe we'll do a part two on that. But uh, as for now, you know, I will be back next week with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. I am Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.